All right. So how are you guys doing so far? Good. Give it up another hand for Miss Teresa for bringing the amazing word, and Jeremy always kills it on worship. That was awesome. Nice job, Teresa. <laughs> um, it's such a blessing to be able to get up here. Uh, happy 5th of July, right? That doesn't get as, as much bang as the 4th of July when you say it. These are good jokes. You guys will replay that. Listen to the messages online and get that joke. That was a really good one. But <laughs> I hope you guys had a great job, great time barbecuing, hanging out with friends, hanging out with family, enjoying the beautiful fireworks, and most importantly, celebrating our, our country, this amazing country we get to be in and love. It's just great seeing all those flags hanging out, people just representing. So I hope you had a great 4th of July. Everyone's traveling and being safe. But we're going to continue on our study of 2 Corinthians tonight. And last week, Jeffrey Bonesaw Barnett gave a great message and really put into terms for the church what we need to, to move forward with, this whole idea of generosity. And that's what chapter 8 is going to be all about, is that we started with this generosity, that the church gets to be the difference maker, that we get to start giving to others that need it a little bit more, that we get to start being a change that the world needs. And I think it is a great job talking about, you know, giving gifts, giving ourselves, giving finances, giving our time, giving whatever we can to better fulfill what God has in store for this world. And for those that weren't able to be here last week, I encourage you guys to listen to it online. But I've made a slide that we can kind of briefly go over to, to recap what we should have picked up last week. So verse one, giving is a grace. You can see where this is going. Giving is to be sacrificial. Giving is to be done willingly. Giving is to be done spiritually. And verses six through eight, giving is to be done voluntarily. Giving is to follow the example set by Christ and to close it out. Giving is to be done according ability, where giving is something we really get a chance to partake in. And you could say, oh, don't tell me that we're going to be doing another message on giving. I'm going to hold off and not do a second or third offering tonight. You guys really lucked out. And don't worry, this isn't going to be about giving. What we're going to be talking about tonight, we're going to see the story of these guys going with an offering, whether it be gifts or money, to a place that really needs it. And we're actually going to examine who it is that takes care of that money. So we're going to apply it to this modern-day church as well, is that once the money goes here, who's watching it? And what makes them leadership material enough to take care of the finances that you guys work so hard for? Uh, famous theologian P. Diddy once wrote a song... <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins, baby. Mo money, mo problems. We're going to be talking tonight about a touchy subject. We're going to have to deal with a little bit of money, and we're going to have to deal with money in the church. And when people talk about that, they get that cringe on their face like, I kind of want to know, but I kind of don't want to know what's going on. But I'm just excited to say I, I believe in what we're doing here at Journey of the Church. I'm excited to see what we can learn from the church back then and apply it to today. So if you guys are able to, I'd love you guys to grab a Bible, 
We have extra Bibles in the back if you need one, or it's going to be up on the screen. Stand if you're able to stand with me. And we're going to read through 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. But thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just blown away by the hearts that are in this room. How you're able to touch each and every one of us. That you can make impossible things possible. I ask you to just take this night and use it. This is an offering to you, Lord. This is what we're always going to be talking about, that we give everything back to you, that you can use it. I ask you to bless this evening, bless everyone in this room, and our families and our friends. I thank you for all the love that you give. To your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So we get to talk about someone that I love learning about, Titus. And it gets me excited when I get to read things about him because it always seems that when I have a question of where I'm going on this walk or who should I be using as a leadership example, God usually points me in the direction of Timothy or Titus. And see, Titus is a special story. I mean, I love it because as I was not always an on-fire believer, I would casually go to church, the same could be said for Titus. He wasn't a believer right away. And in fact, he was sitting in the seats, just as we were all doing, and Paul came to preach the gospel. And as he was sitting there, this young, Tim, this young Titus got affected by hearing what Jesus Christ did for him. A Greek that was not even a believer, someone that studied a different God than what he was hearing about. But yet the message that he heard was so convicting that touched him deep down to the core that he wanted to do more things. He wanted to learn about it. He wanted to become kind of Paul's shadow just so he could see Christ working through Paul. It's a very inspirational story that I love what Titus does. He pretty much looked at his leader and latched on to him. And Titus told Paul, wherever you're going to go, I'm going to. Because I'm learning from someone that is being an example of Christ. And I'm doing the same exact thing. As I came into the church, I latch on to people like Randy. I latch on to Jeremy. I latch on to Jeff. And I'm saying, whatever you guys are doing, I want to be a part of it. Because I know God is working straight through them. And as we're going through this every day in our own lives... I want to encourage us to do the same type of thing. We're going to read through this chapter tonight that we need to look for leaders that we can learn to. Examples of Christ that make it like we're able to do it ourselves. That we can latch on and see what he's doing. So Titus went on these missionary journeys with him. He went and he preached the gospel with him. He was a great man of God. Paul was able to show ones that were not believers from this different thing. Look, this man can come and believe just as you are. He's as on fire as you are. You guys can do the same thing. 
His life was a living testimony. But the thing that I love most about Titus is that he let God control where he was going to go. That he let God shape him. That God put Paul into his life for a reason. And then he realized that reason and he started to let him teach him and form him into the man of Christ that he wanted us to be. Wanted him to be and then he wants us to be. And Paul noticed that. So he took him under his wing. And see this whole thing about latching on the leaders, learning. Leaders are able to make an impact on people. They're able to shape people like Titus to be a leader. But what's important is what's on the inside for each and every one of us. That Titus had a heart for people. He loved people. He wanted to help people. He wanted to learn. He was enthusiastic. He was eager. Titus had a heart of gold. That's what the leadership that we're going to read is all about. So as we go back to the scripture in verse 16, just to read through it one more time. It said, but thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. See, Paul loved his flock. Paul was invested here, and he wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to see them succeed. And he loved them so much that that made Titus love them. And he was excited to go on this journey. Whatever it was that he was about to do, he was excited to move forward and do whatever Paul wanted him to do because Paul was being Christ-like, that he was leading by that example. And it says that there was going to be a welcome request to send Titus. But that's pretty much a council saying that he was going to be voluntold that he was going to go on this trip. Kind of volunteered, but we're going to force you to go. But little know that they was already pumped up he would go. He wanted to be a part of us. He wanted to go on this journey. Titus reminds me of that guy that you have an idea, and if they had cars back then, this is the only way it works. So just picture they have cars somehow. And he's driving, and he's like, all right, we're going to go on this journey. And he's the first one to yell shotgun and just runs to the front. And they start going on a journey before he even figures out what's going on. That's the kind of guy Titus was. So now we have the backbone of it. As we go into verse 18, we are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. All right, so what's going on here? What are we talking about? You've told me a lot about leadership and a little bit about Titus. What's the whole point of this? So Paul heard that there was tough times going on in Jerusalem, that there were saints that needed help, that they were going through this famine, they were just lowered out. They had nothing. And so he encouraged his church to say, this whole thing we've been learning about, this generosity, start moving forward. We need some stuff. Check your heart. Start moving forward. What can we do with these people? And so they took an offering to help them. And so now we have Titus going on a journey, and we just saw that there's another guy tagging along. 
he planned to take the goods over there at this time with these two people. And one of them was appointed by the church. So these are two leaders that are going on this journey to take the money and offering to the saints in Jerusalem. Two leaders that are well-respected, hand-selected, and they believe and trust them. Two leaders that are going with them. And with that, we're going to go ahead and break for some table talk. These are two leaders of a church. These are leaders that are looked to and respected. These are leaders that are trusted. So I want to get down to what we think. It's good to read in the Bible, but I want to know what we are looking for characteristics. If you could make the ultimate leader that you guys could look to, what characteristics would they hold to help you respect them, to help you trust them and listen to them? Whether it be your boss, a supervisor, a teacher, or a pastor. And also, throughout the years, how has their leadership style influenced you? We've all had a bunch of bosses. We've all had a lot of teachers and instructors. How has different leadership styles affected the way that you live now? So go ahead and break off. Focus on the first one as much as possible. So, talking about leadership. There are some good leaders, and there are some bad leaders. I know we've all dealt with them in the past. There are some leaders that you truly respect, that you don't have a second bad thought in your mind about what they're going to do, that they're continuously going to look out for you, that they love you, that they care for you, and they want what's best for you. There are some leaders that could care less about you, but they'll act like they like you. I'm talking about leaders that have a chance to to schedule you differently at work so they take up all your time or maybe cut your hours so that they can take a little more for themselves. Bad leaders that talk people down. Bad leaders that lose people's trust and people just don't want to work for anymore. These two people right here are trusted with something very big. They have in their hands something that can help someone else hugely that a lot of responsibility is on their shoulders. But Paul trusts them 100%. Paul knows they're going to take that money and just take it right down to them because they're true leaders. They're trusted. They have strategy. They have ethics. They have integrity. They have all these things that leadership's based around so that the people in Jerusalem have no problems knowing that they're going to get this blessing and nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to run to Vegas and try to make a couple extra bucks. As we continue on in verse 20, it says, We are traveling to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. Paul's had his own headaches here. Paul's already been accused of mishandling money. He's already had these outrageous things thrown at him. He understands what this whole mission entails. And so he came up with this plan to know that there are two 
at this moment, two people that are going to go and take this, that there's no way that these people are going to lose that bond. They're going to take whatever they have and bless these people. So that now there's two of them. You can't just say, well, the one guy just went and he took off. No, there's two of them holding each other accountable, being watched under by God. These are two godly men that are going to take these offerings, the donations, and give it back to people. This is the touchy part about the whole sermon. So what people did was they took an offering at the church. They took the people's money, which is God's money, and they take it from that, and they hold on to it, and then it goes from that person over to the church where they're going to be heading to. So what happens at this in-between moment? And the same thing applies for here at Journey of Church. When these baskets come around, you guys put your hard-earned money in here. And from that, I am excited and well-respected to say they're in good hands. That we have people that love and care for you. That all of us that are tithing, all of us that are giving our time, our gifts, our money, it is going from this basket into well-respected hands that are leaders right up to God. There is no in-between. There is not passing out different places. Well, I need a little more for my coffee fund. I want to go put 50 on the cowboys. It's this money from us (laughs) into here to God so that he can do what he can with this money that we wouldn't be able to do. And here at Journey... I have no second thoughts about our council, our treasurer, the pastoral staff. I trust them with my life. It's amazing to see what we have, the team that we have, and it's, that's why I'm latching onto them. Everywhere they go, they are true leaders. And that's because Jesus is the cornerstone of their lives, that they know that they're being looked at, that why would they want to screw anything up? These people are in the same boat. So as you guys give, I just want to give you that peace of mind as we read a story like this to know that the money is taken care of and it's under God's care that he's going to do what he can with it. So don't have any second thoughts or any bad things about it. We do have an end-of-the-year visions and values, contribution reports. It's an open book policy all the time. If you guys ever have any questions or concerns, let us know. But we want you to know... It's a tight run ship. If I lose one $2 receipt for coffee, I'm going to hear about it. So this is how tight we run it. So don't worry about anything. If you ever have questions, ask Heidi. We'll show you the year-end reports. You can see where everything's going, the missions trips, all these things. The money is kept well and under God's power. So that's enough of that info commercial. I apologize. (laughs) But the point I'm trying to get to is that honorable people have your money. (laughs) That's a good thing. Honor is this huge thing that as I look at leadership, as I look at these two gentlemen delivering the goods of Jerusalem, they have a lot of honor. The honorable leaders that we have here is because Jesus Christ is a high bar to follow, and we are to be Christ-like. So as leaders, we have to be able to look at that and know that It is achievable, but we have to make sure that we stick up to that standards, that we are held accountable 
for all these things. This is huge for a leader that you are held accountable, that you're able to have a trust, you're able to have a belief, you're able to have love and caring, that these leaders hold all these slides. But this isn't just for the pastoral staff. I'm not patting us on the back. I want each and every one of you to know that you're leaders. We're all leaders. Whether you be a pastor or a teacher or a coach or a prayer leader, you're a leader. If you say, oh, well, I'm not any of those. Well, as you heard on Wednesdays and Sundays, we have kids flock the stage. They come through these doors. To each and every one of those kids, you guys are a leader. They are looking at you as an example. They're trying to see that Jesus is working through you. So each and every one of us is a leader. So you can add that to your resume now. Just like these two guys, Titus and the other guy, they're honorable leaders. But I want us to equip, to equip us. I want us to get ready. What does it mean to be an honorable leader? And I have a slide, a few slides actually, that kind of go through these things. To be an honorable leader, be the person you say you are. It's honorable to be authentic. That how I am right now is the same weirdo that I am outside the doors. And I have friends that will tell you the exact same thing, unfortunately. You have to be dependable. To be honorable, you have got to be trustworthy. You have to say what you're going to do. Your actions speak louder than your intentions. We have the next slide, which is we have to strengthen our values. What do you guys believe in? Having strong values is key to being honorable, since acting with honor means doing the right thing, even if others disagree with you. Caring about other people. The honorable among us really care about the people in their life. Honorable people show their deep love for others through their actions. A lot of stuff. Get rid of ulterior motives. If you're honorable, you help people because you care and you don't expect to get paid back. doesn't work that way. Speak the truth. Honesty and honor go hand in hand. Of course, defend what you believe in. It's easy to argue with something in your head, but truly honorable people speak up and step in. Come to people's aid. If you were to draw a cartoon of an honorable person, it might look like a guy giving up his seat on the bus for an elderly person while helping a child carry his luggage and offering to front fare for someone who forgot change. That's one holy dude. However true, honor is demonstrated when you're called upon to do something you really don't want to do and you do it anyway. I'm thinking about all these things about being a leader. It's a lot. These are a lot of qualifications that each and every one of us hold in our hands. But it's important that we have these things to be accountable for. That as those kids walk through, all these values are taken care of because we're the same inside and out. That we have a heart that loves others. We want to give generously. We want to help people. We love people. We're going to be the different change in the world. All that stuff needs to be true inside here and the moment that you leave those doors. We are all able to be the same leaders that are given the example for us. And I actually think that he sums it up perfectly. There's also a book in the Bible called Titus. Imagine that. And it talks about 
Titus going through, and he's helping Paul on a missionary journey. And it says, a church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He's talking about this for a council that he is selecting to be the leaders of the church. These are the ones that are going to make all the decisions based off what God wants for them. So he's writing this sincerely to Titus so he understands what to look for. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. It's a lot to take in. But once we're able to grasp this, to see how much we are destined to do, that each and every one of us have this plan that God wants us to make that difference in the world, not tomorrow, but starting right now, that we are truly all elevated as leaders, and now it's time to bring the rest of the world along with us. In verse 22 We are also sending with them another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. He is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. So there's that third friend joining the party. So not only are there two respected leaders, now there's three well-respected leaders that are trusted in the church that are going to take this gift to the hurting saints. And because Paul is such an amazing leader and example, he's already pumped up just hearing about it. I mean, that's such an amazing leader that he gets other people excited for this mission that God's going to put them on. And we're going to finish off our verses tonight, 23 and 24. In 23, if anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches. And they bring honor to Christ. So show them your love and prove to all the churches that are boasting about you is justified. I love that part. They bring honor to Christ. So we're going to break for another quick table talk. This one's going to be a quick one. And this is one of my favorite questions to ask the junior hires and high school groups that I get to work with. If you were gifted with a million dollars, what would you do with that money, and where would you spend it? Go ahead and break off. You guys got about a minute. All right, we're going to come back together. You guys are always welcome to stay behind and chat with each other, too. I know there's another crazy dreams that could go on. But these leaders were trusted with this gift to go and distribute it. I heard this story of a church that made a really good investment on some properties in Atlanta right next to their church that they could give it out to the church members that needed a break. 
And then about 10 years down the line, these developers came through and they asked to buy the properties because they're going to put some huge mall. And so they sold it. And they made a profit of 1.2 million. So these trusted people now have a surplus of 1.2 million. The pastor comes up to them and says, what are we going to do with this money? And they start thinking, people trusted in us, then let's give back to the people. God has blessed us. So each week, they got, I came up with a running list of the members that would go in the congregation most often, the ones who were truly family. And to each and every one of those family members, they gave $500 checks to them. Mailed it to them one by one, $500, until there was no more money. And the amazing thing with a church congregation is that 40% of them put the money right back into the church so that God could do what he needed to do. The rest of them started a missionary fund so they could send other people out to spread the gospel. When there are respected leaders, when there are people entrusted with God's money and God can do what he wants to do with it, the world can start to change. So I'm going to ask us for the application that as we go out these doors, are we ready to take this hand off, stiff arm a few people? It's football terminology. Only Urango and Jeremy gets it. It's all right. We're going to stiff arm some people <laughs> and let God take care of the rest that we can learn to latch on the leaders that we need to learn from. If we're lacking in a few departments, if you feel like you're not ready to be equipped to be a leader, latch on to the people around you. I look around these tables, I see so many amazing men and women of God that I want to continue learning from. That I'm blown away of how amazing you trust God. That it's like no second questions about it. It's just like, here's everything I have, God. Start moving with it. Find those people. Start growing together. As we talked about generosity last week, now this chapter is complete and we can see it's time for us to get in motion. I know we're all leaders in here. I know we're all the examples. Continue to look to Christ and he's going to guide us of where we need to go. I encourage you to continue serving. Continue giving. And I'm not to say money, giving your time, giving yourself. You have amazing gifts that God has graced you with. It's time to open those gifts. It's time to use them. And when God has a plan, like equipping these three guys to go deliver something to people that truly need something, we're going to be ready when that call is made on us. So open our hearts. Put your cares away. And let God do the rest. As Teresa was saying, trust in what God is going to do. There's no better thing. Let's pray. God, I thank you for times like this where we can just sit back and reflect on how you have everything in control. That you see people in need and you equip others to get ready and jump at the chance to be examples of your love and grace. Lord, I ask you to just 
Equip us as we go out that we latch on those leaders and let other people latch on to us and start making a true change. That you have trusted us with this amazing gift with the Holy Spirit. I want us to be invested into so many people. So many people need you, Lord. I ask you to just open those walls, those windows, the borders, just open everything so we can come forward and proclaim your name and all the amazing things that you do. I ask you to continue to lift up the leaders that we have in this congregation, that the trust will always remain there, that the love and the grace and the compassion will continually be there, and that you, Jesus Christ, will be right in the center of everything that we ever do, that you will guide us, direct us, and use us any way that you want. We thank you in your mighty and precious name. Everyone says, amen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on Sunday as we keep on the Sermon on the Mount.